Last Christmas, so I guess like two Christmases ago, 13 months ago, uh, my dad is 82 years old. He's going to be 84 now, but last year, Christmas is the most important thing in the world to my dad, and he, he said this sentence to me. We're like, he was so sad, mad, angry, disappointed that we all weren't getting together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. He was sort of beside himself, and... And he, and I finally, I wasn't, I never fight with my dad, but I was pretty fiery with him on the phone. I said, dad, we don't want you to die. His response was, who cares? <laughs> That's what he said to me. He's like, I am 82 years old. I don't care if I die. I want to see my grandchildren. He was so intense about that. My dad knows where he's going. He really meant that sentence. I don't care. The only reason I talked him down off the ledge of death is I said, Dad, just imagine one of your college-aged grandkids is the one that gives you COVID and dies. You have just given them 65 years plus of guilt. I'm the one who killed Grandpa. It was only then... <laughs> It was only then that he relented, started to calm down. I guess you have a point. <laughs> Our family, um, we didn't see them on Thanksgiving. My siblings and their families, they gave in to my dad's guilt and did go for Christmas. We were the good children, or if you want to look at it a different way, the bad children. We stayed safe. The four of us drove down to Hastings, brought them their stuff in packages, wouldn't come in the house. Can't you come in just, for, just quick? No. It's been weird, and we all know that. That was 2020, and then there's 2021, when we thought it was going to be done, right? 2021 turned out to be one of the most intense and as exciting years that our family could have ever imagined, and we didn't see it coming. In some ways, they're calling 2021 the year of the great resignation. I unknowingly became a part of the year of the great resignation. About a year ago right now, I got an email on a Thursday night from a headhunter in the Lutheran church. Those two things don't usually go <laughs> hand in hand. Headhunter, ELCA, Lutheran church. This particular church used a headhunter to find their next senior pastor. And I read the email and I could see and feel the hairs on my arm go up. And I sent the email to my wife, Megan, who was downstairs. And she read the email and five minutes later, came running up the stairs and she looked at me and I'll never forget what she said. She said, honey, that's you. That was January. It took until mid-June to figure it out. There were seven interviews. Four of them were over Zoom. Um, but on June 8th, I found out I was gonna be the new senior pastor at Mount Calvary Lutheran in Excelsior, Minnesota. It was an intense, intense time. Um, I don't know if you know about the housing market right now. Anyone, <laughs> anyone sold or bought a house this year, this past year? Really fun time, good times. Um, our house in Stillwater sold in 48 hours, 14 showings, seven offers, 12% over asking. Then we had to look for a house 
When I say out here, it means because we're out in the West Metro right now. Um, we looked at 42 houses. 42, and someone said, I mean, did you actually go in or like online? No, we went in. Now, for those of you who know me, I'm a little bit prone to hyperbole. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but I am. And I kept telling people, um, oh yeah, we've looked at about 35 houses. And after about a week, I said to myself, you know, you might be exaggerating. So I looked at our text thread with our realtor and I started writing them down. And sure enough, I wasn't exaggerating. It was more than I thought it was 42. And we landed at a house in St. Louis Park. Now, because of how crazy the housing market was, um, we closed on our house and had to be out of Stillwater August 18th and we didn't move into our house until September 18th. Do the math, there was one month where we were homeless. We called our friend, Debbie Dukar, who is sitting in the second row right now. Um, you can raise your hand if you want, Debbie. Everyone most knows who you are. Debbie. <laughs> Debbie is one of those friends that if she found out that we had been looking for a place to stay, and we didn't ask her, she would have been mad at me. She would have been mad at us. I, I know that full well. And so we knew we could absolutely ask Debbie, can we live with you for a month? And we did. Okay, Debbie, the spotlight's off you because now I'm gonna go like this. Debbie was our first call. We know looking at Family Fest, there were at least 10 families we could have called. And we're going to get in tonight's talk to the beauty, the wonder, and the amazement that this ministry is. And that's just a simple part of it. But, Debbie, you were a lifesaver for us. Couldn't have done it without you. She has been and continues to be a secondary great aunt, even though she is a grandma, I'm gonna say great aunt, to our kids. She went to see so many of Sully's volleyball games this fall. Now I'm gonna talk about our kids. Um, I've talked to a few people this weekend already and they're like, don't you live in Iowa? <laughs> when I spoke at summer 10 years ago, yes, we were living in Iowa. <laughs> Someone else said, aren't you living in St. Paul? That's where we moved after we moved back from Iowa eight years ago, we moved to St. Paul. Oh, so you guys live in St. Paul. No, that's where we lived until almost six years ago when we moved to Stillwater. Now, you can do the math. We moved Sully in kindergarten, second grade, and fifth grade, and now it's 10th grade. What 10th grader wants to move in their 10th grade year of high school? You should be shaking your head and saying no one. When we brought this news to Sully, we sat her down at the island and we had promised her that she could graduate from Stillwater High School. And we told her about this opportunity. I'm not exaggerating the first words out of her mouth. I'd be game. Let's do it. She picked, for many reasons, Hopkins High School and she is now a sophomore at Hopkins High School. Uh, two weeks before we moved, um, or before she started high school, 
she made the junior varsity volleyball team in Hopkins. Um, you'll see her as a KC. She is five feet tall. Don't mess. <laughs> she will take you down. She is a libero. She's really, really great. And she has gone in with just a great attitude to this whole move. We have another kid, a sophomore in college. He's not here with us this weekend because he's in a musical theater show called Change. We thought it was going to be next weekend, and we thought we'd go up and see it. I've said yes to this uh, a year and a half ago. So um, they switched the musical a few weekends ago, and it's this weekend. It's going to be live streamed tonight, and he's got the lead. Um, so excited for Finn, and um, I got to tell you this. Finn graduated from high school, and we gave him the choice. We can go anywhere to celebrate as a family your graduation from high school. We can go on any trip. You know what he picked? Summer Splash. That's what he wanted to do for his senior trip. So we went to Summer Splash a few summers ago. Um, this transition that's, that's our story. Um, people have a story from this last year. I am following a senior pastor at Mount Calvary who has been there for 40 years, four zero. So that's fun. <laughs> um, it really is. He's, he's done an incredible job with the church. It's grown tremendously and it's at a point where it needs new leadership and he knew that. He especially knew that during the COVID year of transition, he said, put a fork in me, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. There, there are many, many people in the world, not just the country, who have said, put a fork in me, I'm done. I don't have to do this anymore, I'm going to do this. And for whatever reason, as Dave, Pastor Dave was making that decision, that email came and it seemed very evident that that's what we would do. I say we because Megan ran up the stairs and told me, honey, that's you. Could not have done this without you. She has been a rock to me and a true north as we've made this transition happen. Um, she single-handedly, and I really do mean that, single-handedly got us 12% over asking on our last house for how incredible she made our house look. So thank you. Ask yourself these questions. In these last 22 months, where have you been? Where are you going? How do you come to this moment? I would imagine in some ways you are tired and you are weary. I would imagine you've got great expectation. I mean, just think about it. In the last 48 to 72 hours, we all had to take a test to get here. What? Is this school? No, it's COVID. We're about to go into year three. And I'm sorry, this is a theological term. That sucks. <laughs> we have to move forward. We have to keep going. As a country and as a world, I know you've experienced it. We are a divided place and we are anxious. We are wondering and we are waiting. We are hurrying up and then we're waiting again. We are all over the place. But are we united? Are we one? As Jesus the Christ told us to be, be one. 
I am here to proclaim to you, Family Fest Winter Weekend, we are one. We hold on together in love because love will hold us together. You don't need to raise your hand, but I would imagine you've had a conversation or an experience in the last 22 months that has made you realize that the world is sometimes very, very divided and in camps. And I will tell you, Satan is having a field day with that. Loving the division. We instead are one. Let me tell you this. If the world can unite around a 99-year-old woman named Betty White dying a few weeks ago, oh, trust me, we can unite around the person of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. I am telling you that we unite around the person of Jesus Christ. We are together. And any difference we have, any left, any right, any over here or over there, any you think this about masks or I think this about masks, whatever we would have that is a division, Jesus is above that division. Jesus is above that division. As we drove up 371, I saw two different billboards, and one of them was incredibly divisive on purpose. It was trying to divide and keep us separate. A few miles later, there was another billboard that was the exact opposite, talking about optimism and talking about healing and talking about kindness and talking about being together. I want to be about that second billboard. I want to be about a place where we look at one another and we don't see differences. We see union, togetherness. If you have your Bible and you don't need to have your Bible, but if you're one of those people that comes to Family Fest and you have it right here, you're going to want to open up to Genesis 32. That's where we're going to be. We're going to be Today, so this morning and tomorrow after, or this evening, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32, kind of through 37. We're going to be looking at the person of Jacob who became Israel. And we're going to be looking at Jacob's dad, who is Isaac. I'm not going to quiz you because we've had enough Bible quiz for the day. That was very draining. <laughs> you know, Justin said, like, all I had to do was be by a pastor, that was me, and be by a doctor. How do you think the pastors and the doctors feel about that? (laughs) That was very stressful because I didn't win. You know, he's making it sound like, like, since you know the Bible so well, you'll have the right answer. Well, I guess not you won, Justin. (laughs) A doctor didn't win. A pastor didn't win. Very, very stressful. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 32. Um, When I was a kid, and I'm not kidding, I was a super big nerd. I know that's a huge surprise. But um, I loved reading the book of Genesis. I'm not kidding. I loved Genesis. Um, Starting with chapter 12, it is just a story of one family, and it doesn't stop. And it's filled with everything. And I mean everything. It is not rated G. Okay. Um, We're going to be talking about Jacob. And his dad is Isaac. And his mom's name is Rebecca. We're going to be talking about relationships. And we're going to be talking about dreams. 
when Rebekah was pregnant with Jacob and his twin Esau, she received a word and a dream from God because she said, something is going on in my womb. And God said, yes, there is. In fact, there are two nations at war in your womb. You can read it right in the Bible. There are two nations at war in your womb. And I am telling you, this goes back to Genesis chapter 26. The division has been there for a long time. But just like that song said, Jesus is the way maker. Jesus is the way maker. There is one who would come who would divide. And then there is one who would come with great light and bring us all together. Like it is sometimes in families, Isaac and Rebecca each had a favorite twin. Rebecca's favorite was Jacob, Isaac's was Esau. Esau was red and hairy. I'm just saying what it says in the Bible. It's weird. He was red and hairy. Jacob was smooth. Is Paul Maloney here? <laughs> I don't, there he is. Um, in, in the story I'm about to tell, Paul and I have done a skit about this part of the story. Um, and we did it years ago at Camp Rockslide, which is a Christ Presbyterian church camp, um, because in chapter about uh, 26, uh, or 27, Jacob and Esau, remember they're warring in, each, in the mother's womb, and then it says this little detail. As they come out of the womb, they must have come really fast because Jacob is holding on to his brother's heel. And in fact, in Hebrew, Jacob actually means the one who grabs the heel. He's holding on to his brother's heel as they come out. So they're very, very close, but Esau is first. And in Hebrew culture, that was very important. That meant the oldest son gets everything. It's sort of like being Prince William and not Prince Harry. Like, it matters if you're first. And so Esau would have gotten all the stuff. He would have gotten all the goods, and he would have gotten all the blessing. And Jacob is crafty. So the first thing he does is Esau is out hunting and he comes home really hungry and Jacob negotiates to steal his birthright. Jacob would never say steal because Esau said, oh, I'm really hungry. Can I have some of that food? Jacob says, sell me your birthright and I'll give you some. Esau says, okay. Words are important now, but they're important in Hebrew. It's done. All of the sudden it shifts. Jacob is now number one, and he's going to get the whole birthright. In Hebrew culture, that's not the most important thing, though. The blessing is the most important thing. And in chapter 28, Jacob really, really schemes, and he steals the blessing. And now we're to the skit portion that Paul and I did for the children. Jacob, in a crazy set of circumstances, gets some hair from an animal and puts it on his arms and goes into his father Isaac. Isaac is blind and cannot see, so he can only touch. You can imagine Paul and I doing this skit. And 
We're doing this to each other's arms and we say, you smell like, e you smell like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. We, we played this whole thing out and Isaac blesses the wrong twin and it's over. Have you ever had a power dynamic difference with your brother or sister? Have you ever always gotten along incredibly well with your brothers and sisters? Sometimes things happen. In chapter 28, Jacob dreams about a God and a ladder to heaven. In chapter 29, Jacob meets and falls in love and marries the love of his life. But he also marries her older sister, not the love of his life. So now we've got a brother-brother dynamic and we've got a sister-sister dynamic. The sisters are Rachel and Leah. Chapter 30 is filled with a lot of stuff that I did not know was in the Bible when I was 12 years old. So when my parents told me to read the Bible, I would read that chapter a lot. <laughs> if you're curious, just go check it out. <laughs> chapter 30 is not rated G. My mom and dad would say, go read your Bible. I'd say, okay. <laughs> chapter 31, Jacob gets in trouble with his father-in-law. Anybody been there? Which brings us to chapter 32, where we'll be spending most of the time together. In chapter 32, Jacob and Esau are planning to meet each other for the first time in a generation. They haven't seen each other, and I would guess it's difficult to say from the Bible, but I would guess they haven't seen each other in about 30 years. Why haven't they seen each other? Because Jacob was a big jerk. He took everything from his brother, but they have decided it's time to meet again. Jacob is incredibly afraid to meet his brother Esau because of all the shenanigans that have transpired. And so Jacob sends gifts to his brother Esau ahead of time. Listen to this list of gifts that he sends. He sends 220 goats, 220 sheep, 60 camels, 50 cows, and 30 donkeys. This is a huge, monumental, staggering amount of animals, and it is the biblical way of expressing to us in the Old Testament a vast amount of wealth. The reason that we are given this detail is that is the amount that the birthright would have been. It's actually a portion of the birthright. So as I read it, I think Jacob is trying, he is realizing the errors of his young ways and he is trying to make things right. And so he is giving Esau this huge, huge present. Jacob sends his family to a place of safety and then he waits and he falls asleep. As Jacob falls asleep, after he sends all those animals, it says he wrestles with an angel or a man or God. I say all those things, man, angel, or God, because the text says that interchangeably throughout. 
Now, I'm going to tell you something about my speaking right now that's important to me. Um, when I refer to God, I'll often say he. I have no trouble with God as father. That makes sense to me. Jesus is Jesus. I'm pretty sure he was male. He's also he. If you hear me when I am talking about the Holy Spirit and I talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, if you hear me refer to the Holy Spirit as she, it's very much on purpose. Every time Holy Spirit is used in either the Old Testament or the New Testament, it's always a feminine noun, not a masculine noun. The way that I make sense of the Trinity is to have the Holy Spirit as female. If any of you want to discuss that with me kind of outside of this, I'd love to have the conversation because I think it's fascinating. But I don't know that God is male, female, either, neither. God is God, and yet Genesis 1.27 tells us we are all created in God's image, male and female. Since we are all created, male and female, in God's image, God, in my mind, cannot simply be male or what we think of as male. It's bigger. So, I, if, I, if I am getting excited and I talk about Holy Spirit and I, and I say she, you'll know why. I do it a lot. So, there you go. Jacob has this dream and he wrestles with an angel and he wrestles all night. He has fraught dreams. Have you ever experienced a dream so real that your whole bed seems to become your world? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like over here, there's this corner, there's this strangeness. Years ago, when I was working at Christ Presbyterian Church, I used to have a dream that my tooth was falling out. I had a loose tooth and then it fell out. And then another tooth was loose and it fell out. And one by one, my teeth were falling off and the dream would always end the same way. And it's horrifying. I would close my mouth and it was like my teeth would go to sand. <laughs> what a horrible dream. I kept having it, not every night, but I had it a lot. And I started reading about it and I realized it's a somewhat common dream. You don't need to raise your hand, but have you ever, you ever had the dream? Yes! Thank you, Tim. You're losing your teeth. There's actual meaning to it. It means your life is out of control. <laughs> Guess what? At the time I was having those dreams, my life was pretty out of control. Interesting. I believe down to my bones that God speaks to us in our dreams. It is sometimes the only time that God can get our attention. It'll be a question in your small groups. What is holding your attention that God is unable, seemingly unable to get your attention or speak to you other ways? When you finally fall asleep, things happen. I believe many, many, many things happen in our dreams. And tonight, we're going to talk about some of those dreams. In Jacob's dream, he's wrestling with God and it says that the God or the man or the angel did not prevail. This is fascinating. It says God did not prevail against Jacob. Jacob was fighting so hard, wrestling so hard that Jacob was still winning the fight until 
God or the man or the angel whacked him on the hip and his hip went out of joint and he could no longer wrestle. God says, let me go for the day is breaking. You gotta let me go, Jacob. But Jacob insists and he says this to God. I will not go unless you bless me. I will not let go unless you bless me. Really interesting question. Why does God need to get away? It says day is breaking. In Hebrew times, in Old Testament times, it was believed if you saw the face of God, you would die on the spot. Simply because you couldn't handle it, we can't handle it. So, since the day is breaking, I really believe God was actually wrestling with Jacob in his dreams, but Jacob couldn't see his face during the daytime. Again, back to Rockslide, that camp we would do for middle schoolers. We once, there's another story in the book of Exodus where Moses almost sees the face of God, but God turns God's face away so Moses can't see his face. Now, much like in Rockslide, it's like the end of Family Fest if you've been here and we get in a circle and we share the thing that we most want to say. Now, it's a little different at a middle school camp when you do that. Because the first bold kid who will come up, they'll usually say something great and, then, and they'll say, I've learned that God is my light. Maybe that's the thing. And then usually you'll have about 60 kids repeat some sort of variation like that. <laughs> well, Beth really knows what she's talking about. So I'm just going to say, yeah, uh, I found out that God's my light. And you hear it over and over again, and it's really, really sweet. This year at Rockslide, I taught this about, like, if you see the face of God, you might die. The first kid came up and said, well, I learned that if you look at God, you'll die. <laughs> Next 60 kids. I learned that if you look at God, you'll die. I'm like, this is going good. <laughs> this, is, this is what we wanted. This is what we were looking for. Middle school students. Um, God needs to get away to preserve Jacob's life and to give him a blessing. This is one of the truths that I want us to carry deep into our bones today. When we wrestle through life, we are given blessings and we are most certainly given bruises. Our hip is out of joint. As you and I emerge out of this pandemic, what blessings have you received in the last 22 months? Where is your hip out of joint? What blessings have you received? Where is your hip out of joint? I've talked to far too many people, my own family included. This has not been all awful. I have talked to people who have said those months of March and April of 2020, 
our family spent more quality time together than we ever have before. I'm not saying I'm glad it came, but you cannot say that's not a silver lining of that pandemic. We got closer. We had deeper talks and relationships. Probably about week two of the pandemic, our family started doing movie night every night. And there were two rules. It went in order. Megan, Kyle, Finn, Sully. Megan, Kyle, Finn, Sully. You got to pick and you couldn't complain. Like if it was your night to pick, everyone had to watch and thumbs up. One of the kids' favorite movies was one that I picked called Air Force One. <laughs> We've watched it again. They thought it was great. Get off my plane. As you are looking at this time, what blessings have you received in the last 22 months? Where is your hip out of joint? Where do you have a bruise? What is something that's really, really hard? And what is God saying to you in your dreams? I believe God is still speaking to us in our dreams. Jacob wakes up, his hips out of joint, and he is now ready to go. What did I say he was getting ready to do before he went to the sleep? He was getting ready to go see his brother that he cheated, that he hadn't seen for 30 years. Jacob was getting ready and wrestling because he knew he had done wrong. And he had come to that meeting with his brother Esau, even though he gave so many gifts, he came ready for a fight. He came ready for his brother Esau to be righteously angry at him. And instead, Esau comes instead with peace and reconciliation. Esau doesn't come to him angry. He comes to him weeping and throws his arms around his brother. They weep together. We're going to explore more about dreams and relationships tonight, but I leave us with a poem about this wrestling with the angel. It's by a woman named Jan Richardson. She has become an incredible theologian to me, and she's quite a poet. I want you to do whatever you need to do to get ready to hear this. Some people hear poems better with their eyes closed. You don't have to. It's totally up to you. Um, there's a lot in the poem. I have copies of the poem, and I'm going to have one for every small group leader, but I have extras too. If you like it and you'd like to read it more, I have more for you. Just let me know. So when we're done, um, we're going to do a little thing, and there's going to be a break, and then we're going to go to small groups. Um, but small group leaders, make sure you get the poem to have. I'm going to read it right now. It is called Jacob's Blessing, and it's from when he wrestles with the angel. If this blessing were easy, anyone could claim it, as it is. I'm here to tell you that it's going to take some work. This is the blessing that visits you in the struggling, in the wrestling, in the striving. This is the blessing that comes after you have left everything behind, after you have stepped out, after you've crossed into that realm beyond every landmark you have known. This is the blessing 
that takes all night to find. It's not that this blessing is so difficult as if it were not filled with grace or with the love that lives in every line. It is simply that it requires you to want it, to ask for it, to place yourself in its path. It demands that you stand to meet it when it arrives, that you stretch yourself in ways you didn't know you could move, that you agree to not give up. So when this blessing comes, born in the hands of the difficult angel who has chosen you, do not let go. Give yourself into its grip. It will wound you. But I tell you, there will come a day when what felt to you like limping was something more like dancing as you moved into the cadence of your new and blessed name. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, how good it is to be here together as one. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came. We thank you, God, that you sent your one and only Son to save us in every way. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you allow us to wrestle with you, that you allow us to ask questions. We only need to look at the Psalms, Lord Jesus, to know that we are not alone when we yell in anger to you. You can take it. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and whisper peace to each one of us. I claim blessing and healing on this whole camp, Lord Jesus. For any who are watching on the live stream, we pray for healing. We pray that you would be among us today and always. Amen.